Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Tuesday, July 26th, 2022. And our top story today, Benefits 21, assessing the performance of public and private benefits in addressing worker financial security. Today's show is powered by Funding Our Future. To learn more about Funding Our Future, its mission, and its members, visit fundingourfuture.us. And now joining me to discuss this and a lot more is Tim Shaw. He's with the Aspen Institute. Tim, it's so great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thanks for having me. And you are, I should clarify that you are an associate director of policy specifically for the financial security program. Tim, this is obviously a very important topic. And let's talk about this 2022 benefits scorecard. And, and from everything that I read, benefits are more and more important to workers, both in the public and private sector. But let's get to, let's get to the basics. What is the scorecard? Yeah, thanks, Jeff, for the question. Thanks again for having me. This scorecard comes out of our deep work looking at household finances from a holistic level. A lot of all other policy shops look at people's finances from like one piece at a time, whether they got a job and have income, um, whether their expenses are too high in housing. Our perspective is that the whole entire compensation package, especially benefits, needs to be included when we talk about it. This scorecard is our attempts to take a look at all of the benefits that affect the financial security of workers and talk about how they uh, and rate them on whether or not they do a good job uh, doing the four key things that we know that all benefits do. And that's uh, supplement income and provide financial stability. That's protecting income. That's helping deal with kind of critical expenses and meeting essential needs. Um, and it's also finding ways to build wealth. Uh, and our perspective, again, is that private benefits, there are those that are provided by an employer, as well as public benefits, the things that you get from the government, really do each serve all four of those functions. And this scorecard assesses 22 key benefits in two ways. Does it work for the workers who have access to it? And then uh, does it work for the workforce as a whole, including the people who don't have access to it and what those levels are? We think it's the first of the kind that does something like this and are really excited to roll it out. Yeah, so let's let's uh, d dig down a little bit deeper. And and as I said at the outset, benefits becoming more and more important to people, not just retirement benefits, but things like you said, health care, life insurance, emergency savings, all of these are part of that financial stability equation. So if I'm an employer watching this show, and I know that there are many um, who watch this program, they have benefit programs, why is this scorecard useful if they're planning their total compensation and benefits and rewards programs? Yeah, I think one of the key ways, there, there are a few key ways I'd say we can use this, this scorecard. The first is looking at kind of where existing benefits that those employers might have might need improvement. There are places where uh, existing employer benefits could 
there's uh, improvements in delivery. So for example, retirement savings, one of the most powerful tools that retirement savings have, as I'm sure you have covered on the show, is automatic enrollment. Whether or not people can get opted in to that savings program, and we know that's super powerful for people. Not all employers offer that. And so for each of those benefits that you provide, are you providing the features and the, the costs that make it equitably available to all the workers, all your workers? The second thing is to look at that array of, of, of benefits and see if you're providing all the things that are essential for workers and understand how it fits into their financial lives. That's another place this scorecard fits in. We've looked at the essential benefits that most employers offer. Um, and so those, those benefits are the ones that feel the most essential. And you can take a look at the data on how they work for people and also um, whether it makes sense to add anything to your core compensation package. The last thing I'll say that's a little different about this beyond that kind of poor compensation is a better understanding of how public benefits affect the financial security of your of your workers, um, especially folks that might hire non-traditional workers or contract workers or part-time workers. A lot of delivery improvements and adequacy improvements need to be made to the public benefits system um, that really do affect people's financial lives and their productivity at work. All right, this, this, this is kind of the softball question here, Tim, but I, I wanna ask you, how are employers doing with their benefits, number one? And what are some of the top line takeaways um, from the report? I mean, the report, I, I've seen it, I think it's about 70 pages in total. Uh, I've actually printed it out um, and I'm gonna read through it in great detail. I love, you know, I'm a, I'm a benefits uh, financial services nerd. But, but what, are, what are some of the uh, takeaways? How, do, how are we doing? How are employers doing? Yeah, so uh, for the employer <laughs> benefits in particular, um, the, they're kind of fall on two dimensions. On the first half, it's like the, the assessment about whether it works for the people who have access. And on those lines with one or two exceptions, um, employer benefits are doing pretty well. Um, the people who have access to them have additional stability. Um, that it's delivered in a way that's relatively easy for folks. Um, and so it really does enhance people's financial stability. So uh, health insurance is that way, uh, retirement benefits are that way. I think there, there are a few places to look for improvements. I think the, the I mentioned automatic enrollment on the retirement side for health insurance. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult cost question, but it really is a question of how much out-of-pocket costs an employee has to pay for those sorts of benefits that can limit the equitability of the benefits people get from that um, and make it more difficult for low-income people to afford their health insurance, even if they do have access to it. Right? So on the margins, there are things that employers do need to look at, uh, but overall those benefits by and large are doing well for the people who have access. It's the other piece of accessibility where we have the biggest gaps when it comes to employer benefits. So part-time workers and contingent workers in particular don't have access to those benefits and therefore the benefit system as a whole is leaving many people behind. So for instance, 28 million workers don't have access to paid sick leave. And so if you don't have access to paid sick leave and your kid gets sick and you have to stay home or you get COVID and even if it doesn't, you know, isn't life-threatening, it means you can't go to work and infect all your colleagues. If you don't have paid sick leave, that's a day's worth of of income that you suddenly have to cover elsewhere. And so that gap in accessibility of that benefit is critical. And on the wealth side, as you've covered extensively on the retirement network, 37 million workers lack access to workplace retirement benefits, 58% of part-time workers lack 
excess, and those numbers are even worse for Black and Hispanic households. And so there is a ways to go in terms of closing the access and participation gaps for workplace benefits. But again, if you have access to and participate in them, the employer benefit system is doing pretty well. One quick addition I would say is it is a long report, but it's very infographic heavy. So don't be turned yeah. off by the length of the pages. A lot of graphics, a lot of easy to understand information that will be useful to your viewers. Yeah, and I didn't mean to apply it's long from it. it it's well, just good I've data. Written, I've written a lot of long and detailed and boring reports before. I just want to emphasize that this yeah, is not this is this <laughs> is exciting stuff. And I don't if I'm a benefits manager or a, a C, in the C-suite of any type of organization, I probably need to read this and do a comparison because there's no perfect benefit program out there, but you can get closer and closer to that perfection. Tim, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about public benefit side. What's that mean? Well, you're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you over 50? Would you like to get up to 33% more income in retirement? Then call now for this free book, Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers. This free book reveals little-known secrets about annuity strategies that will help you make the right choices before buying an annuity. Call right now for your free book. And as a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report, both absolutely free, for calling Annuity General today. Call 800-504-8194. Welcome back. Today's program is powered by Funding Our Future. To learn more about Funding Our Future, its mission and its values, visit fundingourfuture.us. I'm welcoming back to the program, Tim Shaw. He is an Associate Director of Policy for Aspen Institute. Tim, thanks so much for sticking around with us this morning. Of course. So we've, we've spent a lot of time in, in, about talking about the benefits that employers provide. And regardless of whether or not you're a government, a not-for-profit, or a for-profit entity, 
you may provide some level of benefit and it's important to check the scorecard. But let's talk about public benefits because you alluded to some of this, but let's get into a little into the weeds a little bit more. And I think by this, I want to get your clarification. You're talking about things like Social Security, Medicare, um, uh, un- unemployment, things like that. But but how are, how, how are those benefits doing in the scorecard? Yeah, those benefits face similar challenges, that there are a number, a number of delivery, delivery issues that states and the federal government need to improve to better get it to folks. Some of them are inadequate and don't quite cover the amount of income that people lose. Um, that those benefits are designed to cover. And there are a lot of challenges with the the way those benefits function together. And so whether or not, as you get more benefits that try to cover different parts of your financial life and that you qualify for, whether or not they support your financial security or not, um, is a challenge. And so there's a lot of work to do along those lines to make applying for benefits easier. A number of states have really long applications that take a long time um, to apply for. Um, make it accessible. So many uh, don't allow you to apply on mobile phone, for example, and that makes it more difficult for people to apply. And there's even some public benefits that even during the pandemic, you needed to go into the office to apply for. And so there's a lot of churn and a lot of difficulty to get these benefits that people apply for that, that relevant to your audience, keep them from doing other things like focusing, if they're a part-time worker that qualifies for these benefits, focusing on the job or focusing on their kids and having a good family life, right? The, those sorts of basic ways of delivering these public benefits really do get in the way of workers doing a good job and having a, a successful and financially secure life. Yeah, and you bring in, I, you know, I always look at this as a holistic benefits as a, as a holistic point of view, which is if you're not financially secure and you're having ch- problems at home, you're going to bring those to the workplace, um, whether you intend to or not. You, you know, you're not going to be as productive. And that's why it's important for employers to review this scorecard uh, that is being produced. Uh, Let's talk about policy developments, because there are a lot of legislators and regulators that watch this program, both at the federal and state level. I know you at the Aspen Institute, you're regularly in conversations with these individuals. What can be done from a policy development that will help bridge the gap and narrow some of the, those coverage issues that you were talking about in this segment and segment one. Yeah, I think in particular, there's some good opportunities coming up on the retirement savings and other savings policy um, that could help close some of those coverage gaps. Both houses of Congress, the, uh, the House and the Senate, have been working on a package of legislation kind of loosely called Secure 2.0 that have a number of things that would help close the coverage and participation gaps that we've talked about. One is expanding auto enrollment to all new employers or all new plans that are offered. As I mentioned before, that's a really key, powerful feature for retirement savings at the workplace. When it was rolled out initially, Vanguard reported that their participation in retirement savings nearly doubled. It went from something like 45 to 90% when they offered this new feature. Uh, people can opt out if it's not for them, but it really does help people churn and get into the system. And, and these policy developments will have many more employers um, uh, participating in that system. Uh, there are also some benefits when it comes to the savers credit that might provide, might be in there to allow for additional matches from the government into low and moderate income folks who are able to save. Um, expanding matching for student loans, for um, retirement savings, which allow you to better match and talk about your financial life 
as one whole thing instead of trying to partition it, partition it into two different places. And I think we'll get younger people to be more likely to save as well. And the last thing I wanna mention uh, that's really important is um, there are some new innovations coming along with emer workplace emergency savings that are being incorporated into to some of these bills. Um, emergency savings was not part of the scorecard in part because uh, it's not yet ubiquitous among employers, but it's on that cutting edge, as you say, of, of employers who are looking at their workers understand that uh, financial uh, instability really does affect their, their performance at work and want to offer these plans. Uh, Pitt Ohio is one of these organizations. When they rolled out their emergency savings product, they said specifically it was because they had a survey of their drivers and they were having uh, like worse driving and riskier behavior on the road because people were worried about their finances, which is why they rolled this out. Uh, there, is, there are proposals right now to allow for automatic enrollment, that powerful tool that we just talked about for retirement savings into emergency savings as well. And I think that's a critical tool to help move uh, emergency savings from kind of a fringe benefit to an essential part of the bundle that workers need. Yeah, I think we certainly learned a lot through the pandemic and, and having emergency savings if you're quarantined and, and need to make buy food and other purchases, really important. Uh, last question, Tim, you know, the, you, you mentioned at the outset of the show that this is the first of its kind, this scorecard is the first of its kind, but it, I, I get the sense that this is not the one, one and done. It's not the once going to be done just one time. What is going to be the usage and utilization of this scorecard. Do you, do you envision this, uh, an Aspen Institute doing this on an annual basis, a quarterly basis, semi-annual basis? What, where, where does this, pro, this scorecard um, evolve into? What does it evolve into? Yeah, so this scorecard is pretty high level and it'll be uh, evergreen for some amount of time. I think it, I really encourage folks to, to take a look at it and see where, uh, and talk about all the things that we discussed see how the benefits packages look and what improvements need to be made. We're going to build on this and do some additional work um, that if you go to aspenfsp.org, you can sign up for the listserv to get. Our next big piece on this will be about the core bundle of benefits. Like what are the right, of this huge list that we've compiled and assessed, what are the right benefits that workers really need? Um, and what do they report needing and what do experts say is really essential. And so we're going to try to take all this broad stuff that we talked about and go deeper. The second thing I'd ask of your of your of your viewers is that we want to engage with public benefits innovators. We talked a lot, or benefits innovators overall. We've talked a lot about emergency savings as something on the cutting edge. We want to, in true Aspen fashion, elevate the leaders who are doing that innovative work um, and get the get the word out about kind of what's on the cutting edge, what can better help people that other employers and benefits providers might not know about. But the only way we can do that is if they reach out to us um, and, and tell us that that work is going on. So we're trying to build out a network of folks who sees the same vision of public and private benefits together um, and building out that frontier of an equitable benefit system that works for everyone. Well, sounds like you are on the beginning of a very important journey, Tim, wishing you and the folks at Aspen Institute uh, all the best and great success. Thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tim. Great to see you. Thanks for sharing your perspective. That wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest security news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, 
So much more in all in one place. Check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, we'll visit our website and, of course, our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Sanders. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device. Are you being audited and do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Is the IRS threatening to take more of your money? Don't fight the IRS alone. The tax doctor is here to help you negotiate your tax bill and reduce your stress. The IRS can freeze your assets and seize your bank accounts, but you can stop these IRS actions. The tax doctor will work with you using our years of experience to represent your case to help you get the best resolution under the IRS guidelines. Help is here to deal with the IRS to reduce your stress. We've handled thousands of cases, so we know what we're doing. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, do not call the IRS alone. Call a tax doctor now for a tax emergency analysis. Call 800-224-6439.